Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everybody, to the Hammer and Rails podcast, Notre Dame Week prediction time. I'm your host, Andrew Ledman. And I'm Casey Bartley. And here we are. It's Notre Dame Week, back for the first time since... 2014? Is that right? Just a young whippersnapper back in the day. Yeah, uh, it's hard to believe, but uh, it's been quite a while since Notre Dame has been on the schedule. The last time we played them was in the Shamrock series, which actually took place um, in Indianapolis uh, the last time we played them. So it has been a while. We're happy to see them back on the schedule. It's always fun to play Notre Dame, um, but it will be the first real test, I think, for this Purdue football team. Obviously, we we took on Oregon State. We beat them, and then we played the Moribound UConn and came away with a victory I, that we really couldn't learn much from. I just don't know how we're going to get up after this new rival of UConn. Oh, well, yeah. All yeah. other games pale in comparison. Yeah, I mean, when you always worry about the game after the big game, you know? Right. You wonder <laughs> if, the, if the team... Game. Yeah, team has any energy left. Um, so we'll see if we can we can get up for this one. But uh, uh, we we do want to say uh, before we get too deep into it, we did hear the Sharon Versip news. We'll have a little bit more on that on Monday. But if you want to go back through our feed, we had a uh, rather heated discussion about what we think should what we thought should happen to uh, Coach Versip when the uh, allegations came out. So she is now out at Purdue. Katie Gerald's taking over a year early. So. We're not really going to bother with that tonight. We're just going to go straight into Notre Dame. So to sum um, it up, it's good that she's gone. Yes, absolutely. So um, that out of the way, Casey, I know you are very worried about this Notre Dame game from a Purdue perspective. Is there a specific positional unit that scares you the most on Notre Dame when compared with who they're going to match up on Purdue? I mean, I think you know you're leading the defense eleven. <laughs> just go, just go. <laughs> it's a defensive line. You mean the Notre Dame defensive line? Yeah. They- 
They had 10 sacks in two games, and we're really bad in the offensive line. I am yeah. terrified of how much push and occasional free runners that we had in the first two games to now be met with a squad that's going to have elite athletes having free runs at Jack. It terrifies. Yeah, I mean, we, we saw UConn. They didn't get into the backfield, you know, continuously or every single snap, but there were times when Jack Plummer had to improvise, had to, you know, move around, scramble a bit. And when you have that situation against a team like UConn, who obviously doesn't have the talent that Notre Dame has, you have to wonder how the Purdue offensive line will hold up against a team that's clearly much more talented, obviously going to be much stronger, much faster, and more more depth on that line. So they're going to be able to rotate probably a lot more talented guys than UConn has, you know, on their entire roster. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, I've been wearing the bad guy hat. Uh, you helped put it on twi- on me on yeah. Twitter. Uh, and that's fine. And everyone wants to point to like, oh, Notre Dame looks this bad in the first two games and Purdue looked too good. With our schedule and the way things, it didn't, there was literally nothing that could have happened in the first two games that would have told me anything to not worry about an offensive line that we knew was going to struggle our year. It was already a weak unit. And then we kept losing bodies over the summer. Yes, I'm worried about it. Yes, I was going to be worried about it no matter if we won the first two games by 80 points. It is the weakness of our team. And until we do it against real, real competition, which after this week, and if we still look decent, if Brown's able to dial something up, you'll hear me stop talking about it. But we haven't seen anything. No, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's the biggest area of concern for Purdue especially when you look at the fact that, as you said, Notre Dame has a very good defensive line, um, 10 sacks over the first two games. And when you match a strength of Notre Dame's defense versus a weakness of Purdue's defense, you, you never want to find yourself in that position. You know, you hope you can find a way to go strength for strength. But the only hope I have is that, and we talked about this in the past, that Jack Plummer is very very good at getting the ball out of his arm quick, uh, out of his hand quick. He's got uh, a real quick release and he is more mobile than the other quarterbacks on the roster. So, you know, hopefully if and, you know, when plays do break down against Notre Dame, hopefully he can scramble and find a way to make things happen. Yeah, he's really good at evading the rush. There was a play against uh, UConn where a free runner just came. It might have been a cornerback. It was either a cornerback or an outside lineman. It just had a free shot at Plummer. And Plummer did the one where he kind of turned his back and just left him in the dust and then made a really nice pass up the left sideline. We're going to need a lot of that, only it's not going to be that clean. And it's not going to be a guy coming from where I'm worried about blindside. I'm worried about uh, the entire pocket getting pushed back to where he go left, right, or forward. Uh, And there's just a lot of guys, a lot of guys on this Notre Dame defensive front that can give a lot of problems. And I just, I really worry about, is Plumber going to be able to take that continuous? And are we going to be able to string drives along and get points and not make... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think in order for Purdue to win, they, not only do they have to, you know, play a good game, they have to absolutely minimize the mistakes. That includes turnovers and that includes penalties. Um, in years past, we've seen uh, teams coached by Jeff Brom who have just shot themselves in the foot time and time again with with stupid penalties at the worst possible time. Um, I, I can't recall which game it was, uh, but I believe it was, I think it was two seasons ago. We basically lost the game because of a stupid penalty. Um, you, you know, we made a stop on third down and then there was a, a late hit afterward. And then we basically gave the team, the opponent a first down extended a drive and then that ultimately cost us the game because we had a chance to get the ball back um and and go down for a score but because of that you know the cl- they were able to run the clock out i can't remember exactly what game that was but 
Um, it, it's been a problem throughout the Jeff Brom uh, era, and hopefully that's something that doesn't come into play against Notre Dame. Now, I, there are a couple things I wanted to mention that I found surprising as I was looking at uh, this Notre Dame week. So I have, I've got a couple questions I want to ask you, Casey. Yes. The uh, Notre Dame Stadium, which is where the, the game is this week, it is on the road. The capacity of Notre Dame Stadium is 77,622. Kind of small, right? isn't it? Yeah, that's what I thought as well. But that's <laughs> why, you know, it's always a little harder to find tickets there versus games against, you know, at Ohio State or at Michigan. It's just, you know, a smaller stadium. Um, what do you think percentage-wise was the uh, – how, how percentage-wise filled do you think the stadium was in their first game at home against Toledo? I mean, my initial guess would be 100%, but since you're asking me... Exactly, yeah. Um, 77? 79%. They really only had around... Six, I know, it's pretty incredible. They only had around 62,000 fans at their game against Toledo. Um, and that's the first game back from COVID, right? Right, right. And Brian Kelly was asked about this in his press conference uh, the week, you know, the two, two days after the Toledo game. And he was like, hey, that's really not my area. I really hope our marketing people are doing what they can to fill the stadium. But that was shocking to me because Notre Dame, it's always been a hard ticket to get. And to be able to have 21%, roughly 21% of the stadium not filled during their first game of the season, a season in which they came in ranked in the top 10, is kind of outrageous to me. So That's you compare scary. that to you compare that to the Ross Aid capacity versus Oregon State. Granted, you know, capacity at Ross Aid's literally 20,000 less. It's with the removal of the seats in the south end zone, it's only 57 to 36. What do you think percentage filled Ross Aid was for that first game? Um, I think it was like 86. 93 percent. Oh, not we so had 53, 53, 656 uh, so, was the uh, announced <laughs> capacity. So I'm either real bad at math or real bad at listening to you because I knew there were 53,000 at the game. And oh, I, just, yeah. I just didn't listen to what you said. Capacity I, I'm going to go with bad at math. I'm going to go with bad at math. I'm very great at simple. Percentages right, are easy. Well, bartended. For okay, that's fair. So, I mean, you look at Notre Dame was 79% full. Ross Aid was 93% full game one. Uh, and that's kind of astounding to me. Um, and, I mean, even if you look at just the raw numbers, I mean, there were 62,000 at Notre Dame versus 53-6 at Ross Aid. Um, and I, I'm actually pretty impressed that the Purdue fans did that well, especially in comparison to what was going on uh, in South Bend. So, to me, that's... That shows that maybe things aren't quite as intimidating at did Notre they Dame. Ha, did they have a more stringent COVID policy? Not that I am aware of. So I, I couldn't find any real explanation. Um, the the only thing I saw was people saying, "Well, maybe they're just tired of getting these these high expectations and not meeting them throughout the year, or yeah, getting but they don't blow high. it against Toledo." Exa yeah, exactly, exactly. And it's Notre Dame. Oh wait, hold on. I know what it was. So. What? Generally, it's a very easy, easy choice at the beginning of the season. IU fans become Notre Dame fans, ah, but this yeah. year, I their their small little computers probably couldn't couldn't figure out which team to go to and root. For. Yeah, that's true. That's true. They were like, well, but Notre Dame and IU are ranked. Yeah. I got to figure out what I'm going to do. So it's a good point. So they it's probably good. just made the choice. You know, I usually don't get aware of this flip over in September on the IU side. So I'm going to take this one chance to wear it during this rank and I'll come back. That's a, it's a good point. It's a good point. I don't I think that's something that they should probably look into. <laughs> All right. Here, here's my next question for you. How many times or how many sacks do you think Notre Dame's offensive line has allowed? Um, we'll go with nine. Damn, you are really good at this game. <laughs> uh, it is ten. So they're even, sacked... take ten, give ten. Exactly, exactly. 
Um, Cohn, their starting quarterback, was was sacked six times in the Toledo game alone. That's not and, ideal. No, and he was actually replaced for a little bit with um, who they thought was going to be the third string quarterback, but uh, the guy they put in is more of a running quarterback, more of a mobile guy. Tyler uh, Buckner? Yeah, I believe that's his name. They, he changed the pace a little bit, and then Cohn came back in uh, for the game-winning drive against Toledo. Now, if, if you pay real close attention to college football, you may recognize Cohn as a grad transfer from Wisconsin. Uh, so Purdue has, Purdue has actually faced him twice. And there's only um, ever been great quarterback. Yes, <laughs> quarterback you at Wisconsin. Um, Purdue has faced him twice, lost to him both times. Um, one of them was, of course, a double overtime game. Um, there you go. Get one. Get ready. Mm-hmm. Um, in those two games against Purdue, he combined for 363 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. So he's he's done well against Purdue, but... You know, 363 <laughs> yards over two games is not really incredible. But when you're a Wisconsin quarterback, you just got to be really good at handing the ball off. I say I don't like playing Wisconsin in football ever, but it's really not. Me. Yeah, the only the only exception to that I can think of is when they had Russell Wilson for that one year. That's not ideal. Uh, Russell Wilson yeah. was a dog. He was. Uh, yeah, yeah. Terrifying. I remember. I remember. You know, I didn't even know who he was when he transferred in, and they had like two grad transfer quarterbacks in back to back years, and it was like. Oh, what they can't get a quarterback from their own team, and then you, Russell Wilson comes in, and he was just like yeah, nope. torching us. And I was like, "Oh, yeah. super! I see what's happening." <laughs> so, so they can now do this they, now. Now they can run in pass. Yeah. That is not great for us. Uh, sure enough, I believe they trounced us that game. It was fun. Um, the one thing I so, will say is uh, Cone might not seem like a terrifying option. They have had success with big gains on the offense. Um, they've got four guys that have caught a pass for more than 35 yards already. Michael Mayer, their tight end, a problem. 16 catches, 201 yards. It's probably going to be one of the best tight end battles of all season with yeah, him and Durham. Him and Durham, yeah. And uh, Kevin Austin Jr.'s dangerous. They've got a lot of different options. They all scare me. We saw UConn get behind last week, so... There, there's a lot to worry about. Yeah, yeah, of course. Now, the reason I bring up the the offensive line um, allowing ten sacks is do we have a good defensive just as lineman? you said, you know, do we have a good defensive lineman? I can't remember the guy's name. Okay. I feel like I feel like maybe it's Jim. Oh, oh it's Yanni's. Right? Yeah, Yanni's. Yanni's. Brother, that's right. Yeah, <laughs> Big George Karloftis. Uh, so my hope, you know, with the fact that you know you mentioned Purdue's offensive line is one of their weak spots. Well, it's the same for Notre Dame. Uh, their offensive line, they lost, I believe, four people to graduation last year to the NFL. And when you have to replace a unit that was very, very good last year, um, it's always difficult. But to make matters worse for Notre Dame, they had their starting left tackle got injured. Um, so they put in a uh, uh, their backup, Michael Carmody, uh, and then he got injured. So his status, as of right now, I, I tried to find a definitive result for if he's a, a, a avail- available uh, against Purdue, but the the all I could find was that he's listed as doubtful. So that would mean they would be starting their third string left tackle on a unit that already has given up ten sacks. So that to me gives Purdue a real opportunity. Um, we've seen how well Purdue has gotten to the quarterback. Um, they haven't gotten a ton of sacks, uh, but they have been disruptive. They've done quarter. They've gotten a lot of quarterback hurries. They've had tackles for loss, and that I think gives Purdue an opportunity to disrupt drives. And actually, you know, slow down a Notre Dame offense that really is putting a lot of points on the board, um, re- regardless of the fact that their two games have been very close. I don't disagree with you. That is definitely one of the big parts to a path of Purdue pulling off this upset. And it will be the kind of terror that 
Karloftis alone is capable of doing, where he just wrecks plays so much that Notre Dame can't run there. Yeah, I mean, that's the hope. That's the hope. And he's um, good and enough, he, too. He, he yes. legit is good enough. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm a little worried. I feel, I understand doing it occasionally. I feel like we line him up too wide. Well, I think that's just, he, he, you know, try to use his speed. I get it, but I'm just a little worried about teams being able to. Yeah, I, I'm sure there, there are schemes that they can use, but I would imagine if, if Notre Dame truly is going to be starting a third string left tackle, depending on uh, Carmody's health, I think we might see Purdue attack the left side of that offensive yeah. line. If we can just line him up there. Um, yeah. Go for I it. mean, just push over a third string guy. I mean, how terrifying would that be for that guy? The other option would be actually leave him on the other side and force yeah, him true. to double true. there. Yeah, you force them to double, and then whoever we've yeah. got on, on the right side of our defensive either, line. Yeah, either way. Yeah. I mean, obviously, that that is legitimate, a weak spot that is enough that if Purdue is going to pull this upset off, that would have to. Yeah, so there there's one more thing I want to mention before we kind of get into anything else we have and, and then a prediction, but so... There was there was an article uh, posted online today or yesterday, I can't remember which, but it was about possible upsets in college football for this weekend. And one of them listed, you know, a possible upset watch Notre Dame because, you know, Purdue has a chance to upset them. So as the person who runs the Twitter account uh, for Hammer and Rails, I thought, well, this is relevant to our interest. So I shared this. It was from it was from Bleacher Report. They uh they had a prediction, Purdue 31, Notre Dame 27. The only thing, I didn't say anything like, oh, Purdue going to trounce Notre Dame, Purdue going to take Notre Dame to the woodshed. I said, Purdue looking like a trendy upset pick for this weekend. And I swear to God, you would have thought I threw a curse on people's houses. <laughs> the number of responses, we're doomed, we're screwed, now I feel worse, blah, blah, blah. It's like... It's, Pick a side. It's one, it's, it's one article written by one person saying, hey, there's a possibility Purdue could upset Notre Dame. And everybody freaks out as if this is the worst thing to ever happen. And we're all terrified now. I mean, I, mean, I, I got shit on at the end, at the start of the week for being too negative. And that's now true. you post something that's not even that positive. Just like, here's a glimmer of someone else's optimism. And that's too much. Twitter sucks. Well, and listen, I, I get the sentiment. You know, I've been a Purdue fan my entire life. There's always the feeling that the other shoe is going to drop. The sky is always falling. We're one, one but second that's different. away. That is different than upsetting a team that we're not supposed to. Well, just because right. just people are picking us as underdogs, does it, like that's not a Purdue law. Right. Yeah. It, I mean, we, Purdue fans have a syndrome, man. We got to. We got to figure out what's going on. Do we want to be confident or do we want to be terrified all the time? Yeah, when y'all when y'all go up to watch the Notre Dame game, bring Jesus back with you. Cause... I don't. I think he's painted on that building. I don't think you can just take him. Isn't this you? You know, no. It's it's like painted on the side of a building. Touchdown, Jesus. Oh, it's not a statue. I always no, thought it was a big statue with like hands wide. No, no, you're thinking, thinking of the, the one in Brazil. <laughs> no, I think I think you're thinking of the one in Brazil. Yeah, I legit, uh, is that not on top of the Notre Dame Stadium? I thought that's where they got it from. No, no, I don't believe Y'all so. Catholics. I'm really Catholic in name only at this point. Mm. Um, so now, do you have any other unit of uh, the team that you want to talk about, or any other player that kind of you think could be important to this game? Uh, we haven't talked about David Bell yet. Um, Obviously, he's going to be a pretty important part of the offense. But if there's anything else you want to mention before we get to predictions, I want to hear it now. I'm going to say this one thing for David Bell now that will just cover every game. Now He's awesome. He's going to be awesome. And the ball's in his hands. Also going to happen. We don't need to say anymore. He's just great. Um, this is going to come down. A, we need a little bit of a run. Can yeah, we have get to get the something. kind of feeling. We're going to need something out of Downing. I thought he's been pretty good. King Daru is a one cut and go guy. He's not going to make much happen. The one I, thing, don't, I don't know if I agree with that. 
I don't know if I agree with that. But you can be wrong. It's fine. <laughs> like his style of running is he puts one foot in the ground and then cuts up. Downing has shown a little shiftiness. He's big. I like big receivers, especially if they're catching out of the back. But this game is all about is Jack Plummer awesome? Can he be awesome when everything is against him? Because I think he's going to be on his back a lot. I think I'm at him a lot. He's going to have to figure out a lot really quick with his hair on fire. And if he can do that and ascend here and have a really big game, we got someone special. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think if Purdue is going to win this game, the offense has to step up and the offense is largely going to be anchored by Jack Plummer because the run, the run game just has to survive. The run game has to give us something that's viable with Horvath out for four to eight weeks. We need guys like Downing and guys like Doru to, to fill in. I mean, Doru has been a starter in the past, so it's not like we've just got a guy off the scrap heap. He's not bad. I didn't mean that as like, no, and I didn't take it that way. Yeah. Um, but I, I just mean, you know, it. I, I don't think I think when you lose your starting running back, people assume that whoever is behind them is, you know, a step behind or right. a step slow. And that may be true. But Doru and Horvath just play different styles of football. Yeah, he's so, not slower. That's... No, no. So uh, I think if Doru can can find his footing and and make a big step forward in this game and Plummer can continue to scramble and find a way to make a good pass, I think there is a chance, there's a puncher's chance, as I said in the group chat, that Purdue could win this game. Um, I don't know if I have the guts to pick them as of now, but, <laughs> well, now I just want to, just to, just to go against you. Um, but, but I think it's going to be a fun game, um, and I think it, does allow Purdue fans to really see what this team is capable of for the rest of the season. Yeah, I'm leaning towards it being one of those two and a half quarters fun games, and then okay, the dams kind of break open. I, I think, can see that. I can see that. I think we'll be ready to play. I, I really do think it comes down. Can Plummer be good enough to get the ball out in play? And can Brom draw up just enough? It'd be nice to have some big hitters, but really, we, we're going to need to convert. If we're going to win this game, we're going to need to convert five third. That's a very specific number. That's pulling it out of my butt. I'm just saying we're going to need to make some conversions that don't that are going to be difficult because I think we're yeah. going to be behind the chains a lot. And it's going to come down to can we get the ball into Bell's hand when they know we want to get the ball into Bell's hand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I think that's absolutely right. I think Purdue is going to find themselves in some bad positions on offense because of the offensive line and because – you know, Plummer can't be perfect. Um, you can't expect him to, to play that kind of game. Um, so he will make mistakes. He will have to take some sacks probably. He will, you know, Purdue will lose some yards in the run game. It's just going to happen. And if they cannot find a way to take those second and long, third and long, third and manageable and convert them into first downs to keep drives moving, it's going to be a long day. George Karloff, yeah. this pressure, makes some big plays on third down. Yeah. Yeah, so those are those are our keys to the game, I guess. If we were if we were the broadcasters, um, so one more thing, and then we'll take a quick break and come back with predictions. This is going to be the uh, national television debut uh, because Notre Dame's prior game was only on Peacock uh, of our boy Drew Brees in the announcing booth um, because, as you know, he has a contract with NBC, so he does Notre Dame football games now, and the first one he's going to be doing on national television is Purdue Notre Dame and. I think that might be a little tough for him. Uh, what do you think? I mean, uh, I don't think there's this. With college, I don't think you're ever expected to be entirely impartial. Also, uh, 
I think Drew Brees has uh, has swam rougher waters media-wise well, yeah. in the last few years. This is going to be well, yeah. easy. Yeah. I, I and I, I say many... that tongue-in-cheek, but also for me, this I wonder is how going many, to be... I wonder how many times he's going to say we when he's talking about Purdue. I think you're allowed to, right? I mean, when you are the football program, you can say we. <laughs> I don't know. It's it's going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to hear what he has to say. Um, Obviously, you know, he's very intelligent. He always uh seemed to know everything that was going on in the field. He's always got great insight every time you hear him in, an, yeah, in, a, in a post-game interview. So uh, what I heard of him on Peacock when I caught a little bit of the Notre Dame game was, uh, honestly, I can't remember anything because uh I think I had like the sound just on barely because I had it on my phone. So um I'll be interested to see how he does. I did see him on Sunday Night Football. Um, he was on there briefly with uh, Tony Dungy. So um, it'll be interesting to see him call the Purdue Notre Dame game. So, uh, oh, so he'll that, be the color. I suppose. Yeah, he must be. I mean, I can't imagine they'd have him do play-by-play. I, In my head, I was just thinking of him being in the studio. I mean, he knows football on a level that none of us do. We've, I, we've seen recently, I mean, we just saw last week, Peyton Manning and Eli Manning. They're, they're giving salt kind of with Tony Romo uh, the last, these super cerebral quarterbacks getting up in the booth. And it's only been, yeah. and I can't yeah. imagine it's not going to be the same. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I think that's probably right. Comparing him to Tony Romo makes a lot of sense in this sense, which I'm sure Tony Romo would love to be compared to Drew Brees in any way he possibly can. Yeah, I mean, Tony Romo had a pretty good run on it. Sure. I mean, but he was on the Cowboys, so you knew he was never going to win. Yeah, it's, I mean, that's something that we know in our lifetime. Yeah, I still I remember them beating the Steelers I do too. in the Super Bowl. They were great in the 90s, mm-hmm. early 90s. It's fine. All right, so... We are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to go on the record with our predictions for Purdue-Notre Dame. And we are back. So now is the time of the show where we got to put our necks out on the line. So far, Casey and I are both 2-0 and on the season. Obviously, not a lot of drama in last week's prediction against UConn. I, I will um, say, I, I wrote down predicted last. Okay. You said 45 to 15. I did. I said 54 to 3. So you were closer overall. Yeah, I mean, you. if, if we're going Price is Right rules, you went over on our points. Yeah, I don't think that's how scoring works in football. I, I don't either. But I <laughs> You was, went way over on UConn. <laughs> I was throwing a Hail Mary, so we'll see. Um, so the Oregon State game obviously was a little questionable. It's always tough to predict the first game. But now we are in week three. I we are we heading to Notre there Dame. Too. We just don't remember. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't remember either. Well, I could go back and listen, but who has the time? Who has the time and who has the effort? I have to be here um, once, and that's awesome. Exactly, exactly. Um, so, Casey, I'm going to put you on the spot first. What do you think is going to be the final score? And kind of give me a little bit about why you feel that way. Uh, 38-19. Okay, I'm not going to do that, because everyone does all these projections, and they then they make up scores that don't happen. So I'm going to go 38-20. to 20. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to keep it close in the first quarter. I don't think there'll be many points at all in the first quarter. Second quarter, I think you'll get a big score early, um, and then maybe a field goal. We'll respond at the half. It's going to be a lot of plumber just running around, trying to find Bell, getting a couple. We might, I think Durham will have a big game. He's been really good, really good at drawing up tight end. And then second half, I think we're just going to wear it down. We haven't played a team like this. We haven't played a team with depth, and that's really going to challenge us. We've lost a lot of guys in the offside. We don't have a bunch of talent uh, behind our starters, and I think that offensive line is going to crumble a little bit, and I don't think we're going to be able to a running game that's going to keep us on the... I think Karloffices will have some splash plays, but it's not going to be enough. All right. I mean, I think that's pretty reasonable. Um, you, know, you certainly showed your work there to, <laughs> to explain how you got to that point. Now, 
Uh, as for myself, if you coward. look at how – listen, listen, I'm going to get there. If you look at how Notre Dame has played the last two weeks, they jumped out to a big early lead um, in week one against Florida State. And then in the second half, it all fell apart on them, uh, and they ended up having to win in overtime. They kicked a field goal to win. Um, in week two against Toledo, they again ha- had a lead going into the second half. They were trailing with just about a minute and a half left in the game after Toledo had a go-ahead score. So you can see Notre Dame does not have good second halves. Now, whether that is, you know, fatigue or whether that is simply poor game planning, letting off the gas, I don't know. But the fact of the matter is neither Toledo nor Florida State are world beaters at this point. Agreed. Purdue, of course, hasn't played a world. Purdue hasn't played a world beater either. You know, we've played one of the worst teams in all of college football. And then we've played Oregon State, who honestly is probably not that far away from Toledo and Florida State. Um, maybe a little worse, but I don't think they're out of each other's leagues. I think so. The, I think it's, I, th- I think the biggest reason why we don't know anything about Purdue is we have not played anything close to a big quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Um, because so much of major college football is based on what your quarterback can do. Um, we haven't had a that threat way. lineup now him. becoming more and more, right. It's more and more like that in college. So Purdue has not seen that yet. Now, I'm not sure if Notre Dame is that team. I'm not sure if Notre Dame has a guy behind center who truly are scared of. Um, Cone is certainly a competent He's completing uh, 70% of his pass compared to yeah, under yeah. 50. Right. But do you, like, before you looked up that stat, did you look at Notre Dame and be like, oh, I'm scared of their quarterback? No, it's not even about that. I, I'm literally just saying we have no idea. We literally haven't played a quarterback that's capable of making the bare minimum Mendoza line of 50. Yeah. So we literally have no clue how our... True, true. And that is, I mean, that is one thing that worries me. The offensive line and how the secondary holds up against a Notre Dame team who is going to throw the ball a lot. I'm also very worried about a change of pace quarterback coming in for Notre Dame. <laughs> Anytime you can... Anytime you can throw a running quarterback in against this Purdue defense, it is going to give us fits. It is going to give us problems, and I'm not sure our defense can adjust. Can I give you Buckner's numbers on the year? They're great. Three of three passing, 78 yards, one TD, seven rushes, 68. Yeah, and that's all in the Toledo game. I don't believe he played against Florida State. So the one thing that I think is also interesting is there may be a little bit of knowledge on the Purdue staff about what the Notre Dame defense is going to do because Marcus Freeman is the defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. And of course he was formerly on the Purdue staff, but they only have one defensive coordinator. I know. How can that be better? So is, is three better than one? Who knows? I guess we'll see this Saturday. Um, so maybe Purdue knows kind of, maybe Jeff Brom knows how he thinks, what he's looking at. Um, and can see some tendencies in what he knows about Freeman and what he's seen in the first two weeks. I, I don't know what kind of an edge that will give Purdue, but it's certainly something to think about. So I've talked in the group chat and I've talked on this podcast about really believing that Purdue has a puncher's chance in this game. And I, I just can't pull the trigger. <laughs> I, I can't. You know, you I would negative. love listen, I would love to sit here and just pick Purdue to go 12 and 0 on the season. Uh, but that's really not what we're here to do. There's nothing. True. But I mean, you know, we're here to give honest opinions and look at what we actually think is going to happen. I thought we were. I know you've been lying the whole time. 
we're, right. we're doing this differently, you and I. We have different perspectives. <laughs> but I think the game is going to be a lot closer. I think Purdue will have a chance in the fourth quarter because I don't think that Notre Dame has put together a full game yet this year, and I'm not sure it will start on Saturday. Right. Now, I, I, I think Notre Dame is going to score some points. I look at it to be about 35 uh, to 31. I Ooh. think Purdue is going to have a chance to score in the fourth quarter to maybe take a lead, and I just don't think they'll be able to pull it out. Um, How many touches I think is Bell going to get? I think he'll get 15 to 18 God. because you have to. You have to just feed him the ball. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm talking like jet sweeps. I'm talking handoffs. I'm talking pitches, um, everything. They've got to give him the ball as many times as he can handle it. Talk dirty. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, <laughs> I think that's going to do it for us. I think we, we are – very excited to see what this Purdue team is capable of. We're excited to see Notre Dame back on the schedule. Uh, we're very sad the big bass drum is not going to be there because Notre we Dame. We didn't even ca- mention that. That if Notre Dame, why? Like, just way to stay on brand. Way to stay on freaking. Yeah, yeah. So in case uh, you haven't seen this, uh, due to renovations, the visitors tunnel. Uh, no longer can accommodate the size of the world's largest drum from Purdue. And the Purdue bands were informed that they would not be able to take the drum through the Notre Dame tunnel because that is only for Notre Dame band and Notre Dame football players. So now the bass drum will be staying at Purdue and will miss a road game, I think for the first time since like 1979 or something like that. So literally Notre Dame is saying, Um, no, you can't come four hours early and bring it in when no one... More or less, yeah. Ridiculous. Yeah. So as you said, Notre Dame staying on brand, classy as always. All right, I have a question for you. Yeah. What thing can we keep away from Notre Dame in the roster? Do we put like Uh, a five-foot wall up so the leprechaun can't get in? Yeah, I think the leprechaun should just have to uh, stay behind the bass drum the entire game. How about make him watch? I mean, that sounds like a joy to me. I know you hate Harry's because you're a heretic, but (laughs) we'll get into that maybe another time. Um, But... I, I'm just, it's just astounding to me how ridiculous this whole story mm-hmm. is. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe they'll come to a solution between now and Saturday and the drum will be there, but it doesn't seem likely. So, where's Hank uh, Pym don't, when you need him? He went to Purdue, Yeah, we can right? just throw a pin park, let it, put it in this, yes. Just put it right in your pocket and then boom, it'll just expand uh, right on the field. So, what MCU character would have most likely produced? I mean, probably Hank Pym. He's right. an engineer. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. High up on the- yeah, yeah, it makes sense. All right, well, <laughs> we are looking forward to the game on Saturday. For Casey and myself, make sure to rate, review, tell your friends, hammer that subscribe, leave some comments, and boiler up this Saturday. Let's beat Notre Dame. P-O-T-F-I, baby. Am I supposed to say barbecue sauce on this one? Boiler up sauce. You want, man. Boiler up. That's nothing. <laughs>